Welcome to Think Queerly. I'm your host, Darren Steele, helping people lead from their difference to make a difference. Think Queerly is a queer thought leadership podcast and a publication on Medium at thinkqueerly.com that dissects the status quo through critical analysis and thoughtful dialogue. On the show, I talk about the unique and necessary social and cultural contributions that LGBTQ people offer humanity, and I share my evolving ideas about how we can create a more loving and accepting society for all people. So if you haven't already done so, please head on over to my website at darrensteel.com, and the links will be in the show notes, and download my free book, Think Queerly, Meditations and Critical Reflections on Liberating Humanity. So it seems like everyone is talking about COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, and I, I want to address something that's been bubbling in my head for the last... Uh, couple of days. And I'm also going to mention uh, a friend of mine and colleague who uh, pushed something out yesterday. And I thought, ah, you beat me to it. And I think some other people are feeling the same way. And that's why I'm calling this episode a novel pandemic, how a virus could unite humanity. And it's basically thinking queerly about social evolution. If you think about what I just said in the introduction, I'm helping people lean into their difference to make a difference in the world and working with what it is to be queer and thinking differently and seeing the world differently and how we can make the world a better place. Well, what I've started to see and slowly witnessing all of these changes, and if you don't know, I live in Toronto, Canada, and... You know, just in the last few days, we've seen all public gyms close. Um, The Toronto District School Board uh, right now is the official March break, and they closed uh, schools for two weeks following that. So schools won't potentially open back uh, up again until the uh, 5th or the 6th of April, whatever that Monday is. Universities have followed suit. Uh, they're going online and some exams are cancelled. Some exams are going online. Uh, Toronto Public Health strongly encouraged and most of the you know queer spaces, Woody's on Church Street just put out a note saying for the first time in 30 years, we're closing our doors, um, you know, and we'll open as soon as we can. Most restaurants are sitting in a place where they're not sure what to do next. Those that do offer takeout are maybe staying open for takeout purposes only. Um, Grocery stores are open, but we've been very fortunate in Canada, except when you understand how the numbers work and this um, period of transmission Something I just read this morning on CBC News made it clear that we basically need to go through these two cycles, these two-week periods that allows for the tracking and observing of the possibility of transmission of the virus that moves into, you know, the dangerous area of somebody becoming quite sick and having to go into emergency. And if all the measures we're taking if that's going to elicit the kind of change we hope, meaning flatten the curve so that we won't see a massive exponential strike, uh, spike, I mean, in uh, people becoming horribly sick and increased numbers of death. But how, when we control our 
own behaviors and pull ourselves out of social situations and uh, are, are mindful of social distancing, we also respect not only the supply chain <clears throat> so that people don't go out and panic and overpurchase items that are essential and then people that are late to the game, so to speak, are simply out of food or basic essentials. Or what's most important, emergency responders or doctors and nurses in emergency wards becoming overwhelmed because there are no more beds, there are no more masks, there are not enough respirators, and then very, very difficult choices have to be made. That was a really long bracketing to get to what I wanted to say, that I feel like I'm seeing hints of the possibility that this this pandemic might become an exceptional social experiment in in social improvement, social evolution. You know, one that almost feels as if it were politically a version of socialism light. You know, this is an opportunity for us to really see as a society of the, the, the problems implicit in runaway capitalism that we, we can't go on with exponential growth. We can't go on with continuous sustained growth. That's, that's just not a logical construct. We run out of resources in the natural world from our planet. We run out of resources when our population keeps expanding and eating up all of the food and using up all of the, the land resources and over-tilling the soil and the depleting the soil of nutrients and then putting more carbon emissions into the atmosphere to the point where we start affecting the climate. And we know this. This is, this is not up for debate. The only thing that's up for debate amongst people that are selfish and greedy is if they should bother doing anything about it. We're seeing someone in power in the United States who's a fucking idiot and is making things worse and his actions, which are a lack of proactive uh, changes and recommendations, is going to kill people. And this is a travesty beyond measure. Think of the United States as a place of such extreme privilege on so many fronts, but it is becoming ever more apparent the haves and the have-nots when something like healthcare is so essentially privileged by the color of your skin and how much money you have in the bank, including what kind of a wonderful job that you happen to have as another form of privilege as well. The most important lesson we are seeing with all of this right now is that we are all in this world together. Skin color doesn't matter. What politician you voted for in the last election, wherever you live, does not matter. How you identify gender or sexuality-wise does not matter. Because we have to work together around the world, starting in our most immediate environment, starting with our social spaces, taking responsibility, going under the assumption that you have the virus in you right now. I don't know if I do, but I could have the virus right now. I might have no symptoms. Maybe I'll develop some sniffles. Maybe I'll be a bit short of breath. Maybe I'll start getting a little bit of a cough, and maybe it'll become nothing more than that. 
But unless my symptoms become extreme because of the situation right now and the challenge on the healthcare system, I'm best to still stay at home and self-isolate because even if I have no symptoms, I can infect 2 to 2.5 other people who may be, unfortunately, just by Russian roulette, appear to have great health, but it may attack their immune system and put them in the hospital or even kill them. There is no age limit on this. Yes, we're seeing a percentage of older people and people that have compromised immune systems dying more quickly. And that's just something that happens with the flu as well. But this is not the flu. And this is so many more times worse than the flu when we start looking at how an epidemic becomes a pandemic and how it overtaxes the system the healthcare systems, and the economy. So when we look at how things are changing right now and understanding that we have to work together, maybe this is something that finally causes true action and change towards climate change and and social evolution and humanitarian rights and equal rights And just to cite a couple of really extreme quotations from something I read in The Guardian this morning, uh, that the, the coronavirus gives us a terrifying glimpse of the future and highlights a very chilling paradox. And I quote, Capitalism must expand or lapse into crisis, but an economy dependent on perpetual growth must at some stage come into conflict with the limits of the natural world. I mentioned this already, right? Capitalism cannot sustain itself forever. Whatever I think or you think about the model, if we keep growing as a population and we keep using all the resources on the planet, we will exhaust the resources. Simple example, if you have a full tank of gas and you drive 600 kilometers, maybe that is the limit your car can go. If you drive it without refueling it, that's it. You aren't getting any further. And I quote again, capitalism pits humanity against nature. It will destroy both if we let it. Well, this is kind of a model for what we're seeing in so many challenges that we face, whether it be climate change, whether it be equal rights, whether it be this binary construct of mine, me, me, me first versus you, and this greater distancing of of the minds that has nothing to do with social distancing, which is a humanitarian respect that we are all learning to have to accept in order to bring this virus under control. As a result, we're now seeing an actual decline in pollution and carbon emissions. Why? More people are staying home. They're not driving their cars. Companies are taking some trucks off the roads. Airplanes are not flying. In times of crises like this, like this, <laughs> when people have to isolate and stay indoors, we see that our actions can have a positive affect and eventually effect on the climate. 
but also on the social level. So I'm thinking of some of the human kindnesses that we are witnessing, that I've been witnessing. And I'm going to read some of what my friend Sean Prue, who runs the website, thegayguidenetwork.com, that I was once the editor of, and I still help him out with that side. I've been on his podcast, The Sean Prue Show, which is on Sirius XM Canada, channel 167, I believe. A very thoughtful thought leader, and his hashtag is Thought Revolution. So I don't think he's going to mind if I read a little bit of what he wrote in his newsletter. So he says, and let's call the shutdowns and closures and cancellations what they really are, acts of deep love for others and deep self-love. We are protecting those at risk. We are protecting ourselves. And this is beautiful. He mentions a few other things, and I've been out for, you know, some walks just to get exercise because I can't go to the gym because it's closed and just to get to the grocery store in this quietness this meditative space when we go out into the world and don't see anyone anymore. It's, it's quite beautiful noticing how this is all quieted down. And to quote Sean again, he writes, there's also something peaceful and relaxing about having legit reason to not be overscheduled, overcommitted, rushing here and there, never being in the now. Take your watch off, put your phone down, engage, read, binge on good podcasts and television, go to bed early, or bring a back-burned, burnered project to life. And it's so true. There are people I understand who are going to suffer, and various governments and municipalities around the world are hopefully going to do things to help those people that are part of the gig economy or are working for a company that is refusing to give any kind of uh, vacation pay or disaster pay. I myself am entirely self-employed, so I would be considered a gig economy person um, in some of the work I do selling media for LGBTQ publications in, in the Toronto area. And in my coaching work, people are going to be watching how they spend their money. I'm looking forward to the next, you know, one and a half to two months and just hopeful that I can make some sales. And we are all in this together right now. Now, for example, in the building that I live, it's it's a cooperative, which just means that, you know, we're fortunate enough fortunate enough to have a, a very fair rent. It's a, a non or not-for-profit building structure, which also gets certain benefits from the government on its mortgage rates. And they put out an email suggesting or saying that they were going to be closing some of the regular community events that happens in the building so that we could partake in social distancing and isolation. And they also suggested to reach out the, to the community co um, coordinator if you can volunteer for individuals. We have a lot of individuals that live in my building that are aged, um, especially during... Um, the AIDS crisis of the 80s and the 90s, this building welcomed a lot of HIV uh, positive individuals. So we have also individuals in our building with special units that are wheelchair accessible. So some of these people can't get out as easily, maybe can't 
go out to get their groceries or need someone to pick up their medication. So I just wrote an email saying, sure, contact me. I don't have a car, but I can easily go out and pick up a few things and drop them off for individuals in the week. But think about how can you make your immediate environment a better place. And I've been noticing these great things on Instagram. There was a picture, I think, in uh, a video in Spain of this individual on a rooftop doing a fitness class and all of the apartment dwellers around were on their balconies following this person's lead. Like That's just a great example. I mean, if you teach yoga and you teach it in a yoga studio, well, go on Facebook and do a Facebook Live of yoga. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be per- perfect, but you can still engage your clientele, whether you're offering it for free or whether you're doing it as part of their membership at the the, the gym or the studio you work at. You know, even myself as a coach, I'm thinking about what can I do right now, um, possibly to offer some coaching. And I'm thinking about that. Maybe I'll put together a, a smaller little group to talk about, you know, how is this all affecting you? And what are the things that you can do right now in this moment for your personal growth and transformation in a time that's very challenging? In other words, seizing this moment and seeing the gift in this time that we have to ourselves and whether or not we can do something to make the world a better place through something that is is a gift of uniqueness within ourselves. In Italy, we're seeing Instagram videos of people, a famous opera singer singing opera off his balcony for everyone to enjoy and an entire city block coming together with individual instruments and they're all on their balcony creating song together. I mean, that's just freaking amazing. They're making the best of a situation and music and song and movement are are so good for us as human beings. Moving makes us feel good, um, releases great feel-good chemicals. And music stimulates emotionality in us as human beings that, again, makes us feel good and connected with others, even if we can't quite put a hand on their shoulder or embrace them in a hug. You know, call someone by phone. Get on Skype or FaceTime. Sit down and write a letter that you'll send by email to someone you love, someone you've lost touch with, someone for whom you had a falling out, and tell them how much you appreciate them for who they are and the impact that they've had on your life and your well-being. Because you don't know. Life is short, and death can sometimes come at the snap of a finger. We don't know how much time we have, and this is not to be afraid and panic in the moment, but it is about recognizing the gift in this moment now. You know, I'm thinking even to how other groups and businesses are trying to make this better. Glad Day Bookshop in Toronto uh, just officially closed their doors last night out of, you know, uh, isolation and social distancing. But they've been around in Toronto for many years, 30, 40 years, and eventually and then opened up sort of a bookshop, cafe, restaurant, uh, meeting space on Church Street, the Church and Wellesley Village, formerly called the, the Gay Village. And 
there are a lot of LGBTQ2S artists and performance uh, workers and tip-based workers who are in need of emergency financial support and don't have any other way of making income or have lost their job. And they've created this emergency survival fund for those individuals. And I'm just checking their Facebook page here. They want to raise $100,000 and they've got even a graph of how they're going to distribute this to support 100 to 150 artists, performers, and tip-based workers. And last check, they had 14 hours ago raised close to $16,000 doing this already. And this is just an example of the community coming together. The, the, the company that I, I, I work for as an independent sales associate, Inspired Media, that does uh, the Pink Pages directory and Pink Play Mags and The Buzz and On the Couch, uh, a TV show that you can see on Rogers Community Cable in all of South, South, Southern Ontario. Well, we're getting together for a chat this afternoon about how do we move forward with all of this. And we're looking for how can we help the businesses that already that we already work with to survive and thrive in this time. And the board of directors that I'm on at for Inspire Awards, we're, we're still forging ahead with our March 29th, 10th anniversary gala, but with the understanding that, you know, maybe we will have to reschedule this, but we're still thinking ahead. We're still thinking for a better future. Now, if you're really, really challenged by how to think about this, how to process this, and when I say how to think about this, like I'm talking about mental models, about how to frame this pandemic, this experience as a way of understanding your role in all of this as not just one, but part of a larger community and how to understand how we're all connected in this and we need to be personally and socially responsible, then I'll recommend Steve Pavlina, and I'll provide a link to uh, one post that he wrote on Facebook, but you could also subscribe to his blog. He um, terms his blog as personal growth or personal development for um, smart people, something like that, because he really goes deep into how we think um, and these different mental models about how we are going to look at how the situation affects us. And he writes, while many people are focusing on the economic fallout, we ought to look to saving lives first, especially since this is actionable at the individual level right now. And isn't that everything I've just been talking about so far? We have to take responsibility for our actions. I don't need to go through the list of how to sneeze into your arm and if you have this symptom, don't go out. That's freely available. Now, finally, journal. Document your experience. Make a record for posterity. Because most likely, nothing like this has ever happened in your lifetime, at least in your own experience. It's certainly, I have never seen anything like this. The only time I've seen the city shut down like this was... It was about 15 years ago where we had uh, the serious, uh, a couple of um, electrical plants exploded or something like this, and we lost power on the whole eastern seaboard. Um, 
And the millions and millions of people that were basically without power for almost two days, and it was in the summer, and it was it was phenomenal because streetcars were just stuck in the middle of the street because there was no more electricity to move them. People, normal citizens, were standing in the middle of busy intersections in downtown Toronto helping direct traffic because the traffic lights weren't working. There was no electricity in stores, so a butcher shop delicatessen that was on Church Street in the heart of the village in Toronto simply opened its doors, took out a couple grills that they had, and started, and they made up kebabs and other things, and they just started cooking up all of the meat that would have otherwise gone bad and selling cooked products and selling out everything that they had to people so that they would have something to eat. And the city just came together and no one gouged, no one oversold. So make a record of what's happening in your life right now, what you're feeling, what you're witnessing, because you're going to look back upon this at some point and be able to reflect on it. Wow, do you remember the COVID-19 pandemic of, and I'm not trying to be cliched or glib, but these are defining moments in one's individual life and how we come together because this is going to be a challenging time and it's probably going to get far worse before it gets better. And, and at the moment, depending on where you are in the world, you might be looking at things and thinking, I don't get how it's going to get worse. I just don't see it. We don't see it because we've never experienced it before, but we have to look to places like Italy. We have to look to places like China. And at least in Toronto and Ontario and Canada, we have been the doctors, the nurses, nurses the, the, the various individuals responsible at the level of, of, of government and health organizations have looked to what these other countries have done and implemented probably far more safeguards. And we've had time to get ready. And people, instead of screaming and yelling on Twitter that Justin Trudeau didn't do this, or so-and-so didn't do that, let's look at what's been done. Let's look at what's done, been done right. There are some people who are being self-centered, and who are clearly wrong. And we know who I'm talking about as the President of the United States. That's somebody who deserves attack because that person is not taking responsibility for a population of people that are going to probably and most likely suffer some very dire consequences because of purposeful inaction, lies, and concealing of the truth at the level of government. So I wish for you that you are fortunate enough to live in a country that is taking open, honest action and doing everything they can moment by moment, hour by hour to make this a better situation. And I hope that what we experience now and document and remember and the changes that we take on an individual and at a group level become a beacon for a better society that evolves as a result of this pandemic, that when this is all over, we just simply don't go back to the way things were. We won't be able to, for one thing, but we will have a moment in time where we can advocate and really strongly 
push in the most humanitarian way for change that continues to make the world a better place and thus to make how we relate to each other more equitable and more humane. Now just to wrap, a little call to action. I have an invitation for you to answer three simple questions. I've been thinking of a number of ideas for a program that I want to create for LGBTQ people, and your responses would really help me to define my direction. They're really easy questions. It might take a little bit of time for you to think of what you want to respond, but they're totally anonymous. I'm not asking for an email address. You don't have to sign up for anything. It just will give me some of the feedback I need that might really help me to, ter- to determine what next steps I'm going to take to, to create something that's going to work to fulfill my mission to help queer people lean into their difference and risk exploring their creative uniqueness to make an evolutionary positive change in the world. All right, as always, thank you so much for listening and think queerly.